They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. This is an historic time. This is going to be a multi-year fight. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? It is not a hoax. It is real. Something that we have never experienced before. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist. You're going to have to tell me. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the series that brings you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic so that you can stay informed, prepared, and calm. We're still all in this together, my friends, with more than 400,000 new cases nationwide just last week. It seems that we are definitely in the midst of the dreaded fall wave of COVID-19. And while we keep on wearing our masks, washing our hands, and socially distancing, drug companies around the world are working on the vaccine. We need to maybe, just maybe, someday get back to normal. So this week, we're doing something a little different. Our friends at Stitcher's Witness Docs have been talking to Tal Zaks, the chief medical officer at Moderna. Since May, as part of their series called If I Don't See You, the conversation gives us the inside story of one of the leading companies working on the COVID vaccine. Joining me today to help tee up the rest of this show is journalist Ellen Weiss, who's been working on this project with Stitcher. Ellen Weiss, welcome to Science Rules. May I call you Ellen? Absolutely. Hi, Bill. So who is Tal Zaks? Well, Tal Zaks is somebody I actually dreamed of talking to uh, when we launched this project. We wanted to get someone inside the lab, close to the vaccine development. Um, And as we often do through connections and friends of friends, I kind of cold called him. I reached out to him, never expecting the chief medical officer of Moderna agreeing to speak to us. But imagine a guy like that from time to time wants to get the word out, wants to straighten things out, wants people to know what he's doing. Yeah. Well, you know, that's exactly that's exactly right. Like everything else, you know, this unparalleled effort to respond to the pandemic, you know, he wanted to speak to the public as much as we wanted to speak to him. So it turned out to be a perfect match. This doesn't work in a conventional vaccine kind of way, right, where you get a portion of the uh, virus. Your body develops an immune response, and the next time it sees the virus, it's ready for it. This doesn't work that way, does it? No, they're you know they're making something called 
messenger RNA. And I know, Bill, you can do a much better job explaining. Oh, yeah. Me. Oh, sure. Messenger <laughs> RNA. You know, I'm a mechanical engineer. We know all about yeah, that. Yeah. But I do remember I asked him what his lab looked like, you know, imagining like Petri dishes and Bunsen burners. And of course, it's way more about coding and hacking our cells to tell them what to produce. But I'm going to I'm going to leave that part of the technology to you to explain. Now, as I understand it, this thing, the messenger RNA, the idea is they create a sequence of DNA that you inject into me, a person, and it gets me to produce a protein. And the protein is the same protein on the outside of the coronavirus. And so then when the real coronavirus shows up, my immune system's ready. Is that right? That's exactly right. You know, he's trying to basically tell our cells uh, what to produce. Um, and uh, that's, you know, that's the technology. You know, most of us are used to thinking about being injected with a virus to help stop the virus, uh, but this is really different. My understanding is that Chinese researchers got this figured out and posted it somewhere in the middle of January. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the Chinese, you know, to their credit, um, once they figured it out, they made it public. And so Moderna, like other companies, began to use that information and got to work immediately, um, you know, without even having the virus, you know, to work from. Moderna is a relatively new company. It's much smaller than some of the other companies that are working on vaccines. But this technology and this process, this is what Moderna has been developing for years, but they haven't actually ever made it to market yet with the full process. This guy, Dr. Zacks, is really on to something, right? Then the years of research may be about to pay off. Yeah, the truth be told, he's spent most of his life in academia, most of, most of his life in researching, and actually, you know, went to a, a pharmaceutical company because he actually wanted to realize his dreams. So even there, he felt a certain degree of tension. When I started to talk to him in May, um, Moderna was already in phase one. There, there are three phases. We, we've heard a lot about these phases in the vaccine and what phase we're in, but there are three phases before a vaccine can be approved. You know, you start testing on a few people in phase one, and if everything goes okay, you, you get to expand your testing to hundreds of people, and then phase three is thousands of people. Tens of thousands, yeah. Exactly. How many times, Ellen, did you speak with him? Um, we spoke to him five times, each time, you know, a minimum of 30 minutes, um, um, sometimes close to an hour. He was very generous with his time. And what you're going to hear is excerpts starting in May of those conversations um, and kind of the evolution of what was happening to him personally, what was happening in terms of the vaccine and what was happening in terms of the, the virus. So before we roll this digital recording... Is there anything that you think we should be listening for? Anything we should be paying close attention to? Sure. I think there's two things. One is just how quickly and a little bit surprisingly for Tal, how, how the vaccine became both political um, and controversial um, and how he had to uh, do a lot more communicating and be a lot more exposed in his role and um, the upside and the downside of that. And then I think um, his his confidence, you know, even at the beginning, even when he tempers his confidence, I think that he has been working towards this goal for so long that his confidence comes out right from the start. My confidence is not from the 
fact that I know it's going to work because I don't. My confidence stems from knowing that I personally can't be doing anything better or more important. So I may fail, but at least I fail trying to do the thing that matters the most. There's a consequence to time here that one can calculate. Every hour and every day make a difference. And so the time pressure that we all live in these days in the context of getting a vaccine out there, I don't think has been faced by anybody in modern history. This is personal, and it's personal for every one of us because of the magnitude and um, severity of the illness and infection here. So my son lives in New York City. His fiance is a second-year internal medicine resident in one of the New York City hospitals. And, and you know, we, we, we talk to them almost daily. We Skype them weekly. And, and you just, I, I know what she's going through. Well, I can't imagine, but I, I, I can't imagine, right? Because I've been in the hospital in normal settings. And you hear the stories of the physicians and the healthcare workers and the frontline and, you know, she's practically my daughter-in-law, and she's going in every day to, to deal with that uh, and has to come out on the other side of it healthy and sane. That amount of personal connection to what you're doing in the world of vaccines, I think, is, is unique, and it just sort of magnifies the pressure that we all live in. So how are you dealing with that pressure? Are you just working all the time, or are you... Uh... Uh, personally, I'm fortunate. My wife is uh, is at home. She's an artist, so she's actually, it's much harder on her uh, than it is on me. But very early on, she told me, uh, sorry, darling, six to eight o'clock every day, you put your phone aside, you disconnect your computer. I don't care who's calling, but you're not answering the phone. You come eat dinner and you, you behave normal for a couple of hours. Then you can go back, you know, and stay up until midnight like you do. And She'll drag me once every day or two to an hour of yoga or something to, you know, walk around the block uh, to, to, to stay sane. Uh, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that regard because I think she's right. If left to my own devices, I'd just be sitting in front of this computer all day long. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people who spent way too many years in training. I went to med school and then I did a PhD and then I did a rotating internship and then a postdoc. And then I went back into internship again and residency. And then I did another fellowship, right? Well, enough already. When are you, you going to do something with your life? I remember at that point, my kid was looking up at me. I had just won a prestigious young investigator award to be an academic. And my son was 12 at the time, looks at me and says, dad, what's all the commotion? I tell him, look, I just won this really prestigious award, you know, and I'm going to be set as an academic. And the kid looks up at me and says, dad, what do you mean young investigator award? How old are you? <laughs> You're like, what, 34, 35? I mean, and the kid had a point, and I had an opportunity to actually go make drugs where they're made or impact that, which is in the private sector and industry. And, and it was just that the, the notion that this company would, had such a bold mission. And yes, it was risky. And no, I don't yet know that it's going to actually prevent disease. But if it will, it is inconceivable that there's only one application that will come out of this. And the impact it will have could be huge. We're a relatively young company, but our technology is basically just information. We don't actually need the virus as a starting point because this is all digital information. 
And so the sequence was uploaded by the Chinese to the cloud on January 11th. And on the 12th, we started to look at it. And on the, by the 13th, we had a design in hand. If it mutates and you give me the new sequence, I'll get you a new vaccine. And it'll be, again, a matter of weeks. It would work just like for influenza. We don't go and test every year, do phase one, two, three trials for every vaccine. No, we know the platform works. We just put in the new sequence. Now, the challenge, of course, it requires a very large study because if I just go to any one person in random, the likelihood that they will get infected in the next six months is actually quite small. We want to vaccinate the people who we anticipate will be at risk in the coming months. Uh, you know, if this were my mother or my grandmother, if there's a potential for benefit, I'd want her to get it. I don't want her to wait another six months or 12 months to be sure that we've got it right. We've done everything that we would do in a traditional no pandemic setting. And that's going to be a tough calculus to make. What's today? It's the 8th of June. Feels like a very, very, very long march, but yeah, it's already June. There's some positive news concerning an experimental vaccine for the coronavirus. Drug maker Moderna has announced that all of their participants in a stage one trial produced antibodies for COVID-19 after receiving two doses of the Myrna vaccine. Welcome back, everybody. His stock surged yesterday after Moderna's CEO reported progress on its vaccine candidate. Moderna dipping this hour after a report from Stat News called into question the positive vaccine results first reported yesterday. The headline, vaccine experts say Moderna didn't produce data critical to assessing COVID-19 vaccine. I think probably since the last time we spoke, we announced that our first interim data were positive. It's got beautiful data in terms of the immune response. We haven't seen anything unexpected safety. People always worry about a safety vaccine, but until we've you know, dosed a few million people, we won't know about very rare events. You know, If you look now, it's public that the U.S. government has chosen five companies to work with. Four blue chip companies that sell billions of dollars of other products a year. And one is this 800 person biotech in Massachusetts that's actually beating all the rest of them in terms of timeline so far. It's put the company in a spotlight, it's put me in a spotlight that I've never been in. I'm, I'm spending about 50% of my thinking time actually around, around figuring out this piece of it, figuring out the, you know, what is our storyline for the value that we're about to create and, and, and how do we capture part of that value because we're a private enterprise at the end of the day. We, we've actually never had a profit in our life, but we've been spending shareholder money for a decade, right? So that's part of the battle ahead of us, which in a roundabout way tells you that I'm actually quite certain that this vaccine is going to work. My biggest fear from COVID is actually that it's accelerating the divide in our society between the haves and the have-nots. And that problem is not going to get better. It's getting worse. And that's my biggest concern. But that's, that's just me as a citizen speaking, so I have nothing to do with the role. If anything, it's, it's a driver to get a vaccine out there as fast as possible so that we can all get to quote-unquote normal as fast as possible, recognizing that normal wasn't good enough for a larger and larger part of our population uh, even before COVID struck. Talk a little bit more about getting caught up in something like politics or just how people are reacting. It's an election year. The, the country is more divided than it has ever been. 
Uh, it used to be that the one thing that seemed to unify Democrats and, and, and Republicans was on how much everybody hated pharma. I'm hoping that those days are getting a little bit behind us. I'm trying not to get the storyline of what we're doing caught up with the drama of uh, politics. So different stakeholders have different reasons to tell different stories about us. And as the chief medical officer that's supposed to be kind of looking out for the clinical benefit that this vaccine can have, figuring out how to tell the story and not get sucked into those vortices is really becoming one of the biggest parts of the job. The public is intensely interested but everybody's got their own agenda. So the moment you have a good interview with CNN or, or the New York Times, you know you're going to have a tough interview with Fox News. And if you gave a good interview on Fox News, you know CNN is going to come out crucifying you, right? But boy, if, if, if we can't turn the fact that science and innovation in the U.S. can get a vaccine tested and approved in a record time and do some good in the world, if that doesn't change the paradigm and the storyline, I don't know what will. So we are on Monday, June 29th. The FDA clearing Moderna's coronavirus vaccine for a phase two study today. The trial would be done on 600 participants and will include people 55 and older. The timelines that Moderna had laid out were already going to be the fastest vaccine development in history if they were successful, but now they're sped up by a few months. So, you know, when you have as the chief medical officer, you have a sense of, you know, what keeps you up at night is the health of those participants. I've given it to mice. It prevented disease in mice. I couldn't infect them. I've given it to monkeys. This is now on live as of two hours ago in the New England Journal of Medicine. We've just published that if we vaccinate monkeys, we don't, we can't infect monkeys. In fact, it's the only vaccine so far that has shown not only can you prevent infection in the lungs, you can't even get it in the nose within a couple of days. It's, it's gone even from the nose. So in every species you put it in, you get the right immune response, you prevent infection. Now, much as we like to think ourselves better than monkeys, in some aspects, we're not going to be that different, right? And so it's a reasonable extrapolation to say, well, what more do you need to know, Dr. Zacks, to say that this has got a reasonable likelihood of working? So let's say I've treated, I've enrolled all 30,000 subjects, and within a couple of months, which puts us in September, October, we will have safety at least for the first two months. And yet we confirm that it hurts a bit and that you get flu-like symptoms for the evening and that's it. And we haven't seen anything else. Okay, do you want to wait and see a year of safety when you got thousands of people dying every week? Thankfully, from my own personal perspective, it ain't my call. This is going to be something that FDA and other government officials need to do. Are you allowing yourself to get excited? Oh, I'm super psyched. I, I believe this thing's going to work. And I believe that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not worried about this thing not working. I'm not worried about the safety profile. The only thing I'm worried about is that we vaccinate the right people to be able to demonstrate that. And then that we can scale up and deliver it uh, in a way that people understand. And frankly, that we can communicate the benefit and the risk uh, in a way that allows for the broadest uptake possible. I was on the phone the other day with a CEO of a healthcare system here in Massachusetts. He's Hispanic, and he's quite well-known in the Hispanic community. 
And he basically, he said, look, I, uh, I have to figure out how to sign up for your trial or sign up for your vaccine because my, you know, I'm, I'm known in, in my ethnic minority group and people trust me. They don't trust you. And by the way, you for them is not a company. It's not the government. It's not the police, right? It's, 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 it's all one big you. And they they want nothing to do with that. And so, you know, here I am, uh, you know, making big distinctions between, oh, I'm a public sponsor and you've got the NIH and you've got the FDA and you've got HHS. But for a large segment of the population, that's all, you know, the white establishment that we don't trust. And if you tell us to get vaccinated, that means we shouldn't just because you said so. And uh, And that's making me kind of think and really worry about both the enrollment into the stage three trial, and then how do we figure out the best plan for access to the people who need it the most? How do you get the information to them in a manner that they can trust? Like I said, because I'd, I'd vaccinate my mom right now if I could, based on what I know. But that's going to be clouded, I think, by the politics here. And the challenge we have today is it's hard to have that dialogue on benefit risk in the current political environment because it's no longer a dialogue on science and, and judgment on relative risk versus relative benefit. It becomes a political judgment on, oh my God, is one administration going to approve a vaccine for their own political benefit versus another party that's hoping to get elected that is going to try and prevent that approval. You know, it's an excitement mixed with trepidation because yeah, I mean, this is, you're sort of as close to the, I don't know, like, I don't know to say your life's dream, but just something that's yes, been working towards for scary. so long. It's almost scary because, you know, you, you know, it's going to be over in a year. <laughs> and my wife says, okay, that's great. And, and then we can retire. And, I'm, and I can't envision what the hell would I do with my life after this, right? Because, okay, you got to the top of Mount Everest and the scenery is beautiful. You know, what do you do then? <laughs> Uh, hopefully there's not going to be another Everest like this in our lifetimes, but, uh, but I'm trying to enjoy the climb because it's, it's amazing. We'll be back right after this. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw. I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. This is BVK for Ocean City Tourism. OCMD streaming audio. On March 11th, 2024, the title of the spot is STSA Leisure Summer. This is a 30-second composite stereo streaming audio mix. Get away with friends to the laid-back Maryland coast, where you can catch up while casting off and hang 10 while hanging out, where a day on board is never boring and full throttle is half the fun where you can sink a putt, raise a glass, and there's always room for one more round. 
Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. We're back with this inside look at how Moderna is developing a vaccine through their chief medical officer, Tal Zaks. We pick up with Tal on July 28th. Here we go. It was a good week. Look, my son got married on Sunday. They did this small ceremony, and uh, my son is marrying this. Uh, she's so good, his, his wife. She's a physician. She's a third-year resident now. It's just been one of the greatest joys in my life to kind of form that adult relationship with him. But I keep telling him that he's going to wake up one day and realize that the meaning is missing for him, and he should primarily be focused on chasing meaning as opposed to means. He quit his job to go back to do a post-back so that he can get into med school at the age of 28. How cool is that? And um, and I think it just all clicked for him between my influence. I think it was mostly his 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 wife now and and COVID, frankly. I mean, look, if you're in New York City, the clapping every every evening, right, for these guys who go out and put their life on the line to do good in the world. I think is, I think that changed people. And then we started the phase three. The very first phase three clinical trial in the U.S. for a coronavirus vaccine started today. The Moderna National Institutes of Health trial is expected to include 30,000 uninfected adult volunteers from across the nation. Tens of thousands of Americans are needed for the trial, and test sites are spread out across the South and West, which continue to be hard hit by the virus. The Moderna vaccine has officially entered phase three already. And that's phase three clinical trials, the final stage before approval. We had a, what do you call it, a quarantini. We had drinks <laughs> uh, to celebrate it yesterday with the team. And uh, you kind of look around. I mean, half that team was recruited during this pandemic. They set up this trial in six weeks. Now, usually a trial like this takes you about a year to figure out, nine months in earnest to set up and Six weeks set up by people who've never actually met each other in person, never came into the company building, and in collaboration with about four different government bodies, right? There are at least three that were intimately involved. Uh, it's just their work ethic and the ability they came together as a team was just inspiring. This is September 23rd. So how are things going? So my daughter moved out of the house and in with her boyfriend, uh, which is great. And then, you know, they come for dinner because they're quarantined and we're quarantined. But uh, I don't think my wife likes the fact that I've put the family out in the news. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to share less if that's okay, because I've, I've become a little bit too public for comfort sometimes. 
Moderna's executives have sold the most in stock year to date, uh, about $171 million. The company's stock price has roughly doubled in value since spring, and executives at Moderna have taken advantage of that high stock price. CEO Stefan Bonsell has sold almost $25 million year to date. Uh, Tal Zaks, the chief medical officer, has exercised options on about $40 million year to date. And President Stephen Hoge has sold about $6 million year to date. This has become, you know, obviously personal. It's, it's an interesting catch-22, so here's the deal. You know, executives get paid in stocks and those options vest. And when the executives want to realize some of those gains, then they have to put a plan in place. I've been with the company, me personally, over five years. So at the beginning of this year, you know, I, I, I said I need, I'm going to need some liquidity. This is uh, before we ever knew what this was going to be. My plan was put in place before we ever, before the NIH ever does the first subject, and before it was clear that this was even going to be a big deal in the U.S., in fact, right now, I can't change the plan, even if I wanted to, by law. At the time the plan was put in place, by law, I was not in possession of material information that you and the public didn't know. That's, that's law. If, if, if I were, then, then the SEC is going to come back and sue me, and rightly so, right? So, so and, and trust me, uh, I fear the SEC a whole lot more than I fear journalists. <laughs> What do you think is going to be the time when we'll be able to get a vaccine? I think realistically, by the end of this year, we should know it works. And emergency use authorization and deployment is expected to happen within weeks, not months after that. My expectation is very end of this year, realistically, in large numbers, beginning of next year is when you'll start to see. I hope the leading vaccines get rolled out. The data were out that we expect tens of millions of doses by the end of this year to start to be stockpiled and we'll be in the hundreds of millions of doses available for the American people in the first and second quarter of next year. So we need to think about a way to distribute this that is efficient for the vaccine that is getting stockpiled. Just think about those numbers. They're staggering. Nobody's ever filled 100 million vials of any given product, right? In, in a year, I'm not even sure in a decade. Uh, just think of the volumes that we're talking about, right? It's going to be awfully difficult to enforce vaccination. I mean, the way I do the math, the more people get vaccinated, the sooner this thing will get eradicated from our population. Let's say just a third of the population wants to get the vaccine. The rest of us don't trust. Okay, here's what's going to happen. The third that get the vaccine will walk around happy, you know, and, and protected. The two thirds, because so many of them won't have gotten vaccinated, the virus ain't going to disappear until it infects every last one of them. And so they're going to be walking around with masks, afraid, and will eventually get infected because that's the reality of this virus. So I have, have no wish or desire to vaccinate people who don't want to be vaccinated. Uh, you know, let them have their choice. Uh, I'm sorry for them in a way if they have the opportunity and don't, because I believe that they're taking an unnecessary risk for their health. But, but you know, in this country, they should be free to do that. Because I don't think 
What I'm saying is I don't think their action will endanger the rest of us who do get vaccinated. Uh, it's still at a very fundamental level bothers me that we live during the best demonstration of what science has the potential to do for society. And yet the mistrust has never been greater. I don't know where people are going to get their confidence or not to get vaccinated. Is it really going to be their physician? Is it going to be other influencers? I'm hamstrung because I work for a commercial entity. So, you know, if the public stops trusting the elected officials and the career civil servants, it's not going to start trusting pharmaceutical executives. That's just the reality. And I don't blame the public. So my goal is not to ask for anybody's trust. My goal is to be transparent about what it is we're doing so that the public, their elected officials, their unelected civil servants, the people who report on their behalf and ask questions on their behalf, have the opportunity to engage with me and form their own opinions on what it is I'm doing. And I think that's all I can do. So, Ellen Weiss of the Scripps News, where is Moderna in, in the great land of phases? Well, Moderna just finished enrolling all 30,000 participants in phase three, in the phase three trial. Um, what Tal told us and what Moderna is saying publicly is, you know, it is possible they could get emergency use authorization as early as December if the trials go well. The first people who would get it, I think, would be emergency workers. He does not believe that we will all be getting the vaccine by the end of the year, but that, you know, then they, they, they have already started to work out manufacturing and distribution. You know, the U.S. has agreed to pay over a billion dollars for 100 million doses if the vaccine proves safe and effective. Um, Canada has already to agreed to buy 20 million doses. So everybody's setting up for the moment when the vaccine is declared effective to then begin the manufacturing and distribution process. There was controversy over Moderna's stock prices, right? Well, the controversy was over um, several executives selling some of their stock. Now, it's not unusual for executives to liquidate you know, stock along the way. Um, but one of the things that caught people's eye was, in particular about Tal, is that he sold everything. And he sold it, you know, close to one of the phases. So it got a lot of attention and the optics were not good, legal or not. But so much of what Tal is about um, is building trust. And so much of the mistrust in big pharma is about money. And so this just didn't look good and it was uncomfortable and I think it kind of undermined the idea of, again, functioning in the public interest and yet um, reaping a huge, gigantic financial reward. Uh, what do you make of how much he focused on the public's trust uh, in pharmaceutical companies? 
I think it speaks to the fact that he himself feels like he came from the world that didn't trust pharmaceutical companies and sort of entered it. He's, you know, he's a guy who, you know, uh, lived by the Hippocratic Oath, still does. And so he understands, you know, this kind of dichotomy um, and feels very strongly that um, it's transparency you know, the fact that they showed the entire protocol, he talked about this, how important it was to him that he got all these other companies to kind of show what they were doing, show how the tests were going. You know, he gets that uh, what the virus has exposed once again is, um, you know, racial divides and the lack of trust of the medical community by people of color and people who have suffered in the past. So he, he understands that. He did talk more about building trust than combating anti-vaxxers. That's right. That's exactly right. Building trust, making sure that people trust that this medicine and the people that are bringing it to them is going to work. What do the rest of these If I Don't See You episodes sound like? I mean, who else have you talked with? The other episodes, I would say, sound much more like personal diary entries, um, and, it, and it really is, you know, a very intimate and very diverse look at how COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything else that's happened in the last seven months have affected different people. We cast a really wide net. Um, there's a high school senior, a uh, young girl named Ficky. She's in New York City. And, you know, when the schools shut down because of COVID, we hear about everything from binge watching old TV shows to starting her own her own podcast, you know, into talking about depression and race and, you know, everything that's affecting her outlook on the world. There's Melissa, who's a nurse from Cape Cod, and her husband is an EMT. And so when they both found themselves sort of at risk of contracting COVID, they sent their three kids to live with relatives, you know, for what they thought was going to be a few days that, you know, turned into months. And you really, you feel that pain of separation. And then there's Harry, who's a funeral director in Baltimore. And he spoke about the role of death care, you know, as part of also like emergency services and sort of how his profession is really at the bottom of the priority. It's certainly how he felt. I mean, his descriptions of going to the Dollar General to literally try to build his own hazmat suit because he could not get any of it. And he, uh, he couldn't get any PPE, protective personal equipment. He couldn't get any PPE. It was really incredible. You know, and then again, as things evolved in the country with racial justice protests, you know, he's a guy who watched his parents and his grandparents dream of a different future. Um, and he really wondered, you know, what had happened to that dream. So all, all very different, very different perspectives touched very differently. That's fantastic. Everybody, if you want to listen to these, uh, all these episodes are now available for premium subscribers. The show is called, once again, If I Don't See You. If you're not a premium subscriber, which would be weird, you can use the promo code WITNESS for a free month. No kidding. WITNESS for a free month. Our guest today has been Ellen Weiss, head of the Scripps News Bureau in Washington, D.C. Ellen, thank you so much 
She interviewed Tal Zaks, the chief medical officer at Moderna Therapeutics, the company that's working on the messenger RNA, a new style of vaccine. Leave us a voicemail with your questions. The number is 201-472-0785. You can also write to us at askbillnye.com. I am Bill Nye, my friends. This is still a pandemic. We are still all in this together. And more than ever, science still rules. If you like science rules, take a moment to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. It helps us out, helps us find out what you want to hear. It helps other people learn about the show. It's win, win, win. So thank you. Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is produced by Harry Huggins and Corey S. Powell. We had help this week from Daphne Chen, Dan Bloom, and Chloe Prasinos. Our editor is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is Luz Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. Special thanks to Casey Halford once again. Peter Clowney is the chief content officer at Stitcher. And at Stitcher, everyone, science rules. Here are a few more things. Wear a mask and wash your hands. Stitcher. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.